couple members of the Randy Newman fandom discussing one of his songs at random, followed by another that's a cover. It's Wheel of Randy. Hey guys, we're back with another exciting episode of Wheel of Randy, the number one Randy Newman podcast in the world. Uh, I say that because we have 13 episodes, and the only other Randy Newman podcast I can find has three, so I've decided that we're number one. But I know we haven't made the big time until I start getting Wheel of Randy sucks messages. So if you want to help the show... Send me some Wheel of Randy sucks tweets. That'll really make my day. Wheel of Randy is part of the Good Trash Media Network and is brought to you by Wade Engineering. Stay tuned after this episode for a message from the fine folks at Wade Engineering. They sound an awful lot like me. All right, let's start the show. It's Wheel of Randy. Hey guys, it's Dan. Just a quick note before we start the show today, a couple of content warnings. Uh, the first song that we're talking about today is Sail Away. Sail Away has a lot of slavery imagery to it, and it also uses a racial slur. It is one that's not commonly used in America, but it is apparently very common in England and starts with a W. Also, the Wheel has had us discuss the song Ghosts today. If you recall episode 11 with Jason Sims, Ghosts also includes a racial slur, the C word. Uh, if you want to sit this one out, I've got no problem with that. We'll catch you next week. All right. Thanks, everybody. We've got Bo Jennings here today, folks. How are you doing, Bo? I'm doing pretty good, Dan. How about yourself? Pretty good. Uh, locals probably know Bo as a singer-songwriter. Uh, I seem to remember you spent a little time in, in New York at one point. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. I was lived there from, uh, oh, I don't want to date myself, but um, I guess 05 through 2011, if, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I spent, I don't know, seven or so years out there. Uh, but my buddy Wampus, Turned me on to your music, and so been enjoying cool, listening cool. to that. And uh, pleased to hear that that you you wanted to talk a little Randy with me. Man, I can talk Randy Newman. Um, I do, I do like him, and I do have. I don't know if you have a. <laughs> I don't know if you have a an agenda <laughs> for our for our talk. I do have a good Randy Newman story about going to see his show, but I also oh, know we're we supposed to talk about his specific song to um yeah we'll get just, to that eventually just throwing that out there all right we'll, we'll be sure to get to that uh how would you describe your music folks who don't know it uh my music i i mean the easiest way to, to uh categorize it probably a singer songwriter uh i at one time i thought i was a folk singer and then i went to a couple folk music uh uh festivals and conferences and i thought i don't know if, if i really fit in here that was kind of a funny eye-opening thing um well, so there's two I don't kinds know. of folk there, there there's there's doing folk music which you, you definitely qualify and then there's being part of the folk culture which yeah is scene I can't wait. for sure and i haven't i haven't figured out what it is exactly that that keeps me from that. I thought I was smack in the middle of it. And then, you know, a couple different, different signs were basically, basically just said, no, you're, you're not part of this. <laughs> Even though deep down, I feel like, you know, folk music is about telling stories about people. And that's like my favorite thing to do. And I play an acoustic guitar pretty much most of the time. So I, uh, may, maybe, Maybe I need to talk about certain um, certain details that I'm not including in my tunes. But um, anyway, I love folk music. Um, I'm probably, I guess, when you listen to my records, it's a little more 
on the rock and roll side in, in execution though. I think 30 years ago, they, you would have comfortably been classified as country. I'm not sure what country looks like these days anymore. But, uh, <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. I think I'm doing one thing and then people say, oh, you sound like this. I think, okay, that's cool too, but I would have never thought that. And really the only reason why ever classify is so that, that that people have a little bit of a feel for what they're getting into but that, of definitely course but listen to both set books yeah and 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 i don't mean to be one of those i'm un, unclassifiable that's i mean that's ridiculous but yeah. it sometimes it's hard to describe but i generally find that if i tell people my influences that helps and they're probably um I mean, the, the kind of obvious ones, Springsteen, Dylan, Johnny Cash, Tom Petty, uh, and Randy Newman. Those are kind of, kind of the guys I draw a lot of inspiration from. Hey, is my dog driving you nuts? Can you pick that up? I, I can hear him, but, but I don't mind. And our, okay. our audience gives me a lot of feedback that they love dogs. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, I hear a lot of Oklahoma references and, and Oklahoma specific themes in your songs, but not in a way that, that, that other people couldn't relate. You know, no one listens to Springsteen and says, oh, I've never been to Jersey. I don't know what he's talking about. Right. But uh, you reference, you know, the Verdigris and Broken Arrow and uh, Kevin Durant at one point gets some right. of your song. Uh, how do you walk that line? How do you include very specific things about Oklahoma without accidentally pigeonholing yourself as strictly an Oklahoma artist? I I don't know. I really don't. I've, um, that's, I, I, that's I nice. ask because you do it successfully. <laughs> it was in a well, that's your secret kind of way. Sure, I appreciate that. I I have different theory. You know what? I'm going to walk inside because uh, this dog's actually driving me nuts. Um, I have different, uh, you know, songwriting philosophies every couple, even every ever every couple months. Um, I think probably the the best. I actually picked up this book not too long ago. It was called uh, Hemingway on Writing. I'm not necessarily the biggest Hemingway fan, and it wasn't even a book about, it's not like he wrote a book about writing, but it was a collection of um, of uh, things he'd said over his life as, as they pertain to writing. And somebody just compiled those and basically said, here's Hemingway's writing advice. It's like, okay, I picked that up. And um, like one of, just one of my favorite things in there was him talking about having writer's block and what do you do? And I mean, to paraphrase, he was just saying, you know, you you just start with one true thing, write down something that's true, no matter what, and then write down another thing that's true and go from there. And that's that always has been very helpful for me. And it resonated with me. And so and then couple that with that old um, that old advice about just write about what, you know. So I, I've lived here most of my life with the exception of what we just talked about the New York years, but this, all my references, everything I know is pretty much colored and shaped by, by place. I think, and I think that's true for most writer, most writers. And so for part, me, it what, just happens to be an Oklahoma thing. What part of the state are you from? I grew up in uh, the Tulsa area. Uh, and um, so Northeast Oklahoma, and then came here to Norman for college and, Pretty much been based here ever since. Um, sorry, I just need a quick pause here. Give me just a minute, okay? Yeah, you're good. Okay, so you're you're in Norman now. Uh, what's life like for a musician during during quarantine? <laughs> <laughs> it's super interesting. I, um, you know, I don't have it quite the same as a lot of my friends. I actually, I I work a day job. And so that, um, you know, that has its own pluses and minuses when it comes to having a music uh, you know, career. But um, it's allowed me to not have my income stream stopped, for one. 
Um, it's also it's also made me not have to necessarily adapt to the live streaming skill set that I've seen a lot of guys and girls take on really successfully and get really good at. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still kind of fumbling around with it, and so uh, that's that's been cool to watch a lot of friends get really good with the technical aspect of live streaming and get creative with it. And some of them, I mean, they just go every day. Uh, and it, you know, I get it. They're doing it out of necessity, but I can only imagine you're, you're getting a lot of new skills doing that. I got to ask you kind of a deep dive into one of your songs because I keep coming back to it. And that's the song shaken. Mm -hmm. I love this song so much. It starts off uh, folks with this, this uh, great line about the city of Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Uh, I I forget the exact words. Can can you give me that line? Yeah, sure. Um, it's funny to try to think back to lyrics if I don't sing them. But uh, I think the first line is uh, some summer '99 when I pulled out a Broken Arrow, a symbol of peace, a town that sent boys to war. Yeah, I had never thought of Broken Arrow. Uh, the etymology of it that that was a symbol of peace is that sure a, yeah definitely a flag waving town <laughs> it is i i wished i could be more proud of it lately with some of our uh state reps that are out of there and <laughs> their city councils uh well you can't go around wearing the mark of the beast now can you um uh yeah, I remember reading about Broken Arrow's founding uh, years ago, and I, I'm going to be speaking out of ignorance, but but the main image I came away from was there was you know some some event happened, and if I remember correctly, an arrow was was broken to to signify uh, um, I, I guess a treaty or a truce or peace being being uh, at least wished for in the, t- in the time. Again, I'm, I'm, I have no details and specifics, but I do know the general idea behind the term broken arrow is, is that. It's a, it's a great image. Uh, this song shaken is about fracking and about uh, fracking related earthquakes, which. Well, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no. I, oh, if I'm getting it wrong. Let me know. No, 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 you're not. No, actually, finish I, your thoughts. I want, I want to hear the, the, the perspective. The, the, the earthquakes, and they really peaked, what, around 2012, 2013. That sure. was such a, a revolutionary thing for, for Oklahoma because we've never had significant earthquakes before. And it was very clear that it was related to, to deep well injection. But this is the only song I've ever heard about it. You know, if this was happening in 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 the fifties or sixties, you know, Pete Seeger or John Prine would write three or four songs about this. No yeah. one seems to want to talk about it. Well, yeah, there's a yeah, there's a few things going on in my brain as you say that. For one, it did kind of peak. It's not really a prevalent thing anymore, and I wonder if I mean talking about someone was at someone said the other day are you writing songs about the pandemic and i was like man no i can't it's too we're too deep in it like that would it just doesn't feel right to for me at least to write songs about something i have no perspective on um the earthquake thing well that song came about and you're you're not wrong saying that the song is about fracking and earthquakes because that is the that is the backdrop of it i think you know, it's it's a song about a guy trying to do what what he has to to get by. Then it it was really inspired by just an actual guy I met who we got to talking, and he was just kind of like your classic, just like good. He just seemed like a good kid. You know, he was young. He had just gotten married, and he'd been in. Um, I think he had served in Iraq for a little while. And he, you know, we got to talking about what, what we, what we each do for our job. And I could tell as he was, he was kind of hemming and hawing around the fact that he basically worked for, he did wastewater injection 
And I think he was just trying to feel me out to see what my take on that was. And it just got me thinking about, you know, people that maybe feel conflicted about what they do, but you know, he, he needed this job. It's not like he had his pick of work. Veterans have a tough time when they come back. And so I just got to thinking about the the choices people make to get by. And I really tried my best not to pass judgment on what he was doing. I mean, because you don't know someone's situation and I, and also in a song, I don't think it works that well to, to tell somebody what their takeaway should be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I try to do a couple things at once in that song and I, I'm glad you, I'm glad you heard some of those things. you you paint him in such a sympathetic light. Normally when we talk about fracking, we talk about, you know, some big faceless company, but around here the reality is uh, if you're not working for oil and gas you're uh, the economy at least in uh, at least indirectly depends on that oil and gas uh, just, these are our neighbors these are our friends and you know like you said i don't understand the science i'm just you know trying to put food on the table and right it, it's hard for a lot of Oklahomans to, to to wrestle with this. You know, we we know the science, whether it's it's the earthquakes or, or climate change or what have you. But this economy is so monolithic. Um, I know. It's. I mean, to some degree, everybody's. You know, I don't know if complicit is the word, but we're all part of it. I mean, I don't know if you are can we really complicit extract- or are we dependent. Yeah, I think yeah. There's I think there's a better word than complicit. Nobody's actively trying to deplete natural resources for you know for their own gain, but you can't you can't not. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm sure there's people that will will call in or text you or whatever, tweet you and say, well, you can live off the grid. And maybe I I'm not I'm not wise or wise enough to have figured that part out yet. Um, but yeah, it's all, it's all a massive web. It's all, it's a big system that, um, (laughs) you just do what you can to highlight, highlight where you make, where you can make good choices, I guess. Mm -hmm. So that, that song uh, is called shaken. Now on my spot, on my Spotify, it's called shaken and then apostrophes acoustic. Is there, is there an electric version of shaken out there? I can't find somewhere. Oh yeah. So, um, back in September of 2019, my bands and I released an album that's called the Thunderbird and the band, like the artist's name right on Spotify is Bo Jennings and the Tigers. And then this, this past, I think June, early June feels like six months ago. Um, this past June, we released an acoustic, or I, I released an acoustic version of the Thunderbird. It's called Son of Thunderbird, but it's all just um, stripped down acoustic versions of those same songs. And that's interesting that you that you like that you knew the acoustic version of Shaken because that was a song that it's got a pretty aggressive rock and roll sound on the Tigers album and making an acoustic version of the songs was uh, one, one of the goals there was to let some of the stories be brought to the forefront. Then man on the, on the band version they they can be a little more obscured and hidden by the, just the sonics of the rock and roll sound and uh, doing a more storytellers approach on some of these, especially a song like shaken, I think was, was helpful. Okay, well, I'm going to go back and listen to Bo Jennings and the Tigers, see what I've been missing. All right, uh, you said you see, said you've got a Randy Newman story. Let's hear that. Okay, cool. Um, try to set the scene here. I was living in Brooklyn, and this was probably in 06 or 07, and uh, I, had, I had just kind of entered a Randy Newman phase. And I don't know... I don't know. I feel like he had just maybe put out a record at that time. Um, or, but it, something kind of brought him to the forefront to where I was starting paying attention to him more and, and uh, 
So anyway, I, I think that's you know, about when he of, was releasing the songbooks. Was that it? Maybe that's possible. I should uh, I should have a laptop in front of me to look this up. But um, anyway, I was just kind of rediscovering or discovering him actually, I should say, for the first time. And then I see he's. Uh, I'm looking at some concert listings. That was like by far the best thing about living in Brooklyn was just nightly some legend is playing within 30 minutes of you. Um, and I saw Randy Newman was coming, but it was, he was coming to uh, this town called Oyster Bay, which is on Long Island. And I know that from a Billy Joel song. Oh, which one? I'll have to look that up. Uh, Ballad of Billy the Kid. He okay, talks about cool. Being from Oyster Bay, which isn't true, nice. but he named drops Oyster Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Well, I'd been to Long Island before, but only along like the south part. I hadn't been to the North Shore of it, and um, and uh, so yeah, Randy Newman's playing in Oyster Bay. Well, awesome! I'm going to go, and so I didn't have a car. The Long Island Railroad, I believe, it was what took you out there, and then it said, you know, I I googled it, and it it basically looks like he. So he was playing this outdoor summer concert series in Oyster Bay. And I didn't really know anything about the town or the community, but um, it, you know, from Google, it looked like you could just take the train up there and then walk like a quarter mile to the park and you'd be there. So I couldn't get anybody to go with me. None of my friends were into Randy Newman at the time. Um, my wife couldn't go. I can't remember why. But anyways, I basically made us, I just put on a backpack and just made a solo trip out there just kind of to go on this adventure. And so I get out there and it turns out, the park itself was at least a mile from the from this train station. So I arrive, I, I make the walk, and I'm just super sweaty and gross. It's in the middle of the summer. New York was super humid. And then I, I finally arrive at the park, and it's just, it's a really beautiful park. It was like a um, kind of a botanical gardens situation. And there were just, all these families spread out on blankets. They had sweaters tied around their necks. They had wine and cheese spread out on blankets. It was just a different world. And then at the other end of the park, I see a stage set up under a massive tent. And there were maybe 300 chairs set up in front of the stage, also under the tent. And nobody's in the chairs. And I didn't know if the show had been canceled or or what, or maybe I was super early, but I get up there and one of the usher type guys is just like, got your ticket. And so I showed him my ticket. He said, pick a seat. I thought, what? There's no, he's like, no, just sit wherever. So it's like, well, I'm going to sit on the front row in the middle. And he's like, go for it. (laughs) So I go do that. And I'm just sitting there thinking, is Randy Newman about to come out? And he did. And I'm just sitting there at the foot of this grand piano and Randy Newman just comes out and he just starts playing. And uh, there was like two, two other guys on the front row, people scattered in the seats behind me. It was just this, a weekly concert series they had in the summer. They had, I don't know, Hall and Oates the next week, uh, you know, Hart the week after that. And nobody cared. Like they just all took it for granted. You didn't even have to pay to sit in the grass far away and listen anyway it was like this kind of like uh going up to the mountain moment for me just kind of sitting there and literally sitting at the foot of randy newman and he just he played the hits he played all of them it was so good it was funny for no one you know nobody's listening and then um as the show is going on i'm thinking i'm 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 hanging out with Randy Newman after this. That's it. I mean, why not? There's nobody else here to hang out with him. And uh, I'm just building it up in my mind that I'm going to just start talking to him as soon as the show's over. And then, anyway, the show was great. He finishes, and then he walks off stage immediately, and I'm trying to kind of figure out the logistics. How How can I just walk back there and just start talking? And then, bef- and uh, so then I, I, he actually walks back out um, towards the seats. I thought, okay, here's my chance. And then before I could do anything, I swear to you, um, Jimmy Webb walks up to him, slaps him on the back. Hey, buddy, how's it going? <laughs> oh, 
it's great to see you. And then they walk off and then that's it. Talk to oh, you. Jimmy man. Webb just sweeps in and ruins my, my thing. And then the, the quick, uh, the quick ending of the story is I had made arrangements to, so a few months earlier, I'd made a friend whose parents lived in Oyster Bay. So I'd made arrangements to um, stay at their house that night. But like I said, I didn't have a car. Um, and I was just still thinking, you know, Brooklyn suburbs or Brooklyn, like just grab public transportation to get there. But that did not exist. And there was just these dark winding roads to get back to town. No one was offering me a ride. I just looked like I said, I was sweaty. I was gross. Everybody else was just driving off in Bentleys and Jaguars and stuff. <laughs> and uh, I'm just wandering down this dark, winding road. My dying cell phone, I turned the light on just so I wouldn't get hit. Um, it was crazy, but it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And my one and only time to see Randy Newman. Great story. It's... it's- it's such a weird feeling to be that close to someone that you've devoted so much time to. You know, at this point, it would be even crazier for me because at that at that time, I was still kind of a new fan, but I could tell he was one of the Mount Rushmore guys, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I kind of had that experience a few two years ago we went back out to New York and I was able to see the um, Springsteen on Broadway show. And, oh, okay, uh, yeah. and I, I was as invested as a fan as someone could be at that point. And then I, that was in a small theater, like 2000 people, maybe not even that many. And so that was a, that was a similar experience where you're just super close to one of, one of the top, top guys and uh just a cool intimate show so what song have you brought for us to talk about well dan let me look at our uh look at our messages about this <laughs> seems like i threw a couple a couple of them out there was it sail away did i say sail i think away? it was yeah yeah let's do that one all let's right talk about that one. audience take a quick pause and listen to sail away we obviously don't have the rights so uh this is the (laughs) first track off of the album sail away so listen to that once or twice and come back god campdown races sing this song do da do da all right bo this is this is usually the song i have people start with if they don't know randy i say pick up sail away and you know they're gonna listen to this track first tell, tell me why you love this song so much um man i it's kind of i guess it's kind of uh it, to me it feels like vintage randy newman it's got a little bit of everything you want from him you've got super strong melody you've got just enough of the ragtime piano to get that kind of new orleans thing you've got um uh, a memorable chorus, but then you have the really subversive message yeah. um, that people here. that people just usually get wrong or miss, at least you know. Um, and I, I mean, I missed it for a while too. Oh, me um, too. And then once I got kind of hip to what he was about, once you know what Randy Newman's about, you have to assume that every song is subversive and. Um, and so that's pretty fun to just be like, okay, he means the opposite of what of what he's singing about here. Um, now that our audience has listened to it, and I told them to listen to it twice, all right, we can give it away. <laughs> Tell them what this song is really about. Well, I mean, again, it's so subversive, and he's so clever that I feel like if he was sitting here and I'd say, well, this is what this song seems to be about, he'd probably correct me. But I mean, it's it's basically, um, you know, it's a it's a sales pitch by a slave trader to encourage um, someone to get on a slave ship and come to America. Um, exactly. And and w- which is an interesting premise, I guess, in and of itself, because does a slave have the choice to come here? Did they need a sales pitch or, I mean, that seems to have all been a, a forced 
situation. But re- regardless, I guess maybe the maybe the point is to il- not so much illustrate the message that was being you know delivered to uh, slaves, but more to illustrate the mindset of a colonizer or a slaveholder. Um, you know, kind of illustrate the attitude of what a, what a great place to come to. Um, and the, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. There's, there's a lot going on there. Um, I, I'd be curious to hear your, your take on it. Well, you know, like you, it took me a few times to figure out what was going on. And really I wouldn't have gotten it for a long time if I hadn't read the liner notes and in the liner notes, he explicitly says, you know, basically, you know, what you said, that it's an ad man's sales pitch to get on a slave ship. And I'm the kind of person who loves being tricked. I love movies <laughs> that surprise me. I love plot twists. And this is one that not only did I not realize uh, what he was doing, but I was sucked into it. Mm-hmm. It, it's such a sweet melody, and it if you're not careful, it almost comes across as patriotic. So I was, uh, before we did this call, I was reading up a little bit about it to just grab any, some more trivia and just fun, fun stuff to talk about. But there, I came across an interview where, uh, so a number of people have covered it, mm-hmm. and um, one of them was Bobby Darren. And I don't know that one. It, it, I mean, it sounds, it sounds great. I mean, he's, you know, Bobby Darren, but he, uh, Randy was like, I don't know if he really got the meaning of the song. I think he was singing that really sincerely. He um, always had that complaint about Joe Cocker that when Joe Cocker did, you can leave your hat on, leave your hat on. Yeah. I don't think Joe realizes what a loser this guy is. Yeah. 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 Well, so, okay. Again, at first, at first listen, if you're just hearing it on the radio for the first time and you don't know anything about Randy Newman, it just sounds like a patriotic song. On second listen, if you do a little homework, you say, oh, it's a slave trader singing to, um, you know, a slave. And that's the that's the message is look what how they were trying to trick slaves. And then to me on third listen, I mean, you don't trick a slave into slavery necessarily. It's more of a forced thing. Um, I hope, I hope I'm not speaking out of ignorance on, no, on no, anything. I'm, I'm so good. okay. But, um, it, it's not, doesn't seem historically like something you necessarily make a sales pitch about, you know, these are more compulsive, compulsory things. But so on third lesson, it's almost more about revealing the mindset of, I guess America in general. Look, look at all these uh, wonderful things we have. You don't. I'm looking at the lyrics right now. He says, "You know, ain't no lions or tigers or no mamba snake. Just a sweet watermelon and buckwheat cake. Everybody's happy as a man can be. Climb aboard, little log, and sail away with me." So he got away with saying stuff that I mean, that's fairly racist stuff. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, ex- it's, ex- ex- expressing those sentiments. Um, you, you know, he's 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 kind of just revealing an american i guess uh colonialist colonial mindset maybe is is the right way to 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 categorize it yeah and 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 he uses that slur and it's not one that a lot of americans are familiar with but the british pick up on the w word uh, mm, mm-hmm. us. feel um, free feel free to bleep that out i didn't even realize that was a slur uh, yeah, it, it's, it, you know, the British would use it on the Indians and, and on the Africans. I'll, gotcha. I'll, I'll bleep that out. Um, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know when Etta James recorded it, she uses one instead of the W. Interesting. Uh, well, of course, you have uh, uh, the Redneck song that has a slur everybody knows in it. Um <laughs> We, we have a no rednecks policy on Wheel of Randy. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you've heard the, have you heard the episode from Malcolm Gladwell's podcast about it? No, people have talked to me about him. I, I just, I, yeah. I've spent way too long thinking about that song. And Sure, sure. Well, I think that's an interesting case study, though, because I think the same 
one something that I think about even with sail away is okay. Here's this really interesting um, submersive, not submersive, subversive, uh, clever message buried in a pop song, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think a little bit more about well, who's the audience here? Is this obviously the song is so clever, well crafted. I love it. But does a song like this change anybody's mind, or does a song like this? um get through to its intended audience that th- those are that's kind of where i am with randy newman lately did rednecks do any good besides shame shame people or did it reveal something about ourselves and the same thing was with sail away i think sail away i can just speak to how it's affected me um you talked about how there's a a, a third layer there for, for me, the third level has always been about advertising, mm. that he's using this absurd example of slavery to say advertising has been able to convince us of anything. Sure, sure, yeah. And there's so much that uh, that we buy that is harmful that we don't really need because very, very clever people have found a way to sell it to us. I hadn't even considered that aspect of it. Oh, there's too much going on in this song, isn't there? It's got layers, man. Uh, there's no. Go ahead, go ahead. I, your question was, does this really change anyone's mind? I don't know. All, all I can say is that it's a song that makes me think, and so I benefit from that. Uh, but I don't think that I don't think this has changed society and i don't think that he ever thought he was important enough to do that no i think you're no you're i think you're right and i'm that's probably not even the right question to ask and i'm sure if he was sitting here he would bristle at that question too um and as i think about that question more just sitting here you know who's the audience well probably just guys like you and me yeah you know and it helps reveal just the mindset that that different people have about these things. But I mean, again, back to rednecks just for a second, you know, I thought, I thought it was pretty telling that he had to stop playing it live because it became such an anthem for, for people in the South to sing that chorus back to him at the show, but not Mm -hmm. ironically, you know, but more like, yeah, we are rednecks. And um, this is awesome. You know, and of course they're missing the subtleties of, of, uh, of the uh, verses. What what's what's that uh, saying that 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 there's nothing so absurd that someone won't take it at face value? Oh, I haven't heard that, but that sounds so true. Yeah. Nice. Oh, God. So sail away. You know, I didn't really notice it until you pointed it out, but there are a whole lot of dog whistles in this. You know, <laughs> watermelon, buckwheat, monkey. It's like, uh, what is this guy doing? Right. Well, those things are so, uh, you know, we live in such a, a time of heightened, uh, you know, awareness, I guess. Like those things just really jump out to you, or at least to me, more so than they did a few years ago. Um, yeah, I've really, I've learned a lot about microaggressions past few years and it's something i take very seriously um sure these are a, a little bigger than mike <laughs> well and to the, some degree this narrator i know and what's that balance between realizing that those exist and where you uh i don't know commit them i guess is the word or what's the balance between that and then just being able to talk about something with a trusted or someone that you know well, um, you know, without fear of, of, uh, you know, your, your intention is not to perform microaggressions or in any way offend or, you know, hurt somebody. But at some point, you are afraid to express any sentiment at all. Um, I'm, and I'm not even pushing back on the idea of microaggressions, but it does really, it just does really and I think this is a good thing, but it makes you pretty much take every word into account that you might say. I talk too much anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a good thing. You need to listen more. 
just looking through the lyrics one more time. You, know, you were talking about uh, the the American cliches in here, and it, it's a lot of familiar stuff here that, that that every man is free and can build a better life here, and a lot of things that that you know people have been sold. And I think about uh, this is the pitch that that your average Irishman would have gotten back in the day. <laughs> Right. This is your right. chance. And, you know, how much of that is sincere and how much of that is just this ad man, you know, pulling every America cliche out of his hat. Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, there's the, there's the, all the various layers of meaning in the lyrics. And then um, another thing I was reading about um, as I was just kind of studying up on this song a little bit was how much Brian Wilson loved it. And, you know, Brian Wilson isn't known for being super deep or, uh, you know, subtle with his lyrics or, uh, you know, I, who knows if the message, if he caught the caught the message or not. I, he, I, I feel like he's a pretty transparent on the nose. You know, what you what you see is what you get with him. Um, I don't know. Smile is pretty cryptic. Well, he didn't write the lyrics, though. Oh, that other true. dude, yeah, yeah. Van Dyke Parks, wrote the lyrics. But I guess all I'm saying is um, for all of Sail Away's lyrical uh, nuance and complexity, it also is just really beautiful music. Um, and to where someone like Brian Wilson is blown away, I guess is all I'm really pointing to. Just you know, to marry that kind of those kind of lyrics with just incredible piece of music is, um, I mean, that's just what Randy Newman does. I like it musically because it's one that's easy enough for me to play. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, and so as a musician, is there a meaning behind the musical theme here that basically, you know, my right hand does the same thing the entire time of this song. It's just mm. that same, what, six notes on loop. Mm-hmm. I what does what does that evoke to you? I mean, um, is it just this continuity? What, what's going on with that? I haven't uh, I haven't necessarily keyed in on that yet. I but as I'm hearing it in my brain, I hear what you're talking about. Yeah, that's I mean to me that's just kind of where you get into the the unex the unexplainable part of music. What why does why does that thematically work with what he's singing about? And I mean, I, I guess if you can explain that, you're, you know, you're a genius. I, I don't know. I don't know why that intuit, intuitively works. I agree that it does, um, for sure. I know zero musical theory. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, even I musical theory is, uh, you know, I took just like two years of it when I was in junior high. But my, ba you know. I think the concept of musical theory is these notes go together this way and these are the combinations of notes, but, but still like the, like the poetic part of it, like what does this evoke? What does that evoke? Um, uh, such a mystery. I mean, who knows? Well, it's time to spin the wheel. Do you know what spinning oh, the wheel means? No, but, uh, but this is called wheel of Randy, right? Yeah. We are about to pull up a song at random. Uh, you should see on your screen right now the, the, the Wheel of Randy. We've got 100 songs going in okay. rapid succession here. Okay. And audience, you can play the home game. This is our pinned tweet at Wheel of Randy. But Bo, just yell stop at some point, and we'll see what this lands on. Spin the wheel, spin the wheel, spin the wheel of Randy. All right, uh, let's do uh, three, two, one, stop. Oh, man. Ghost, you know I don't, song. I don't, I knew the lonely, I thought I was going to land at lonely at the top, and I knew that one. Um, I don't know ghosts. All right, let, let's take a few minutes and do a quick listen. Uh, the, I, this is kind of a repeat. The episode before you, uh, we discussed ghosts for a long, long time, but let's let's listen to this one together all right cool bet my money on a bobtail drag all the yeah. dude all day 
You okay there? I'm tearing up a little bit. <laughs> Golly, that was, uh, I, I pulled up the lyrics to read as we were listening. A couple things just hit me right off the bat. I'm looking at the lyrics just typed out and uh, as someone that writes songs as well, um, he's so economical with his, with his words are so precise. Like yeah. nothing's really wasted here, you know, just all super simple lines. Um, so I love that. I love that he's doing the unreliable narrator thing again. You know, I, I don't really trust this guy that's singing to me. <laughs> I don't really, I can tell this is a flawed character. Well, um, why is that? I mean, he, he's complaining that the, the neighborhood's mixed now. Right. What, what else makes you not trust this guy? Um, I don't, I don't mean not trust him, but I guess I just see a flaw in this person's character. Oh, you know, he uh, is what I'm saying. Um, uh, which is a, uh, I guess maybe flaw isn't the word. But I just see a human being that has flaws, you know, um, uh, man, there's, I'm going to have to, this'll, this'll be a song that I'll, I'll revisit for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I just love how he paints a, a whole picture with just very few, you know, very few lines. I don't even know if I heard a chorus in there. Maybe there was a bridge. No. Um, sound like one deviation. Sorry is the only thing that ever repeats. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just so like, just lethal, man. Just really just a couple lines and just cuts really deep i mean i this is a you just felt like you watched a little movie you know like you learn you know a lot about this guy already yeah um so cool i love it thank you for um introducing me to that one did you know that one before yeah i i did uh we we did an episode on ghosts uh, a couple weeks ago and so i've been I, I did my homework for that episode. And so I'll have I'm to go back of, and listen to that one. It, it's the episode with Jason Sims. And okay, uh, man, he, he, he's the one who introduced me to this one. And wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so funny. I mean, I'm sure um, it sound, I I'm 40 right now. And so to young people, I sound old and to old, older people, I sound young, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm just, I'm just getting to that point in my life where, you know, things like this don't feel like somebody else, you know, I, (laughs) I, I can see far enough ahead now to where I see myself in these stories of like, quote unquote, old people. And so, uh, it's just, um, yeah, they just hit a little quote. They just cut a little closer to the bone. I love it. So good. Old's gonna be great, isn't it? <laughs> Man, that's the thing about um, that I do enjoy about writing is uh, maybe you can't rock and roll forever, but uh, you can still write. You know, hopefully you get better as you go. Yeah. Well, the next section is called this week's cover. This week's cover. Uh, this is where I recommend a Randy cover. And since we talked Sail Away today, uh, I would recommend my audience listen to Ray Charles' cover of Sail Away. You ever heard this one? No, I haven't. It's nuts. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Do you have what a few minutes mean? we can listen to it together? Yeah, what an interesting guy to sing that, first of all, with, this, with the subject matter. And then I, I can only assume it's... Well, I guess we should hear it. I, in my head, it's a uh, it's a rocking time. But. Folks, you can pull this up on YouTube, and uh, Bo and I will be back here in a few minutes to discuss it. I told you it was nuts. <laughs> Man, he just makes anything gospel, doesn't he? He does. He just finds, he just finds the good news in anything. That was incredible. I love how he slowed the chorus down. Yeah. He made that a real well, slow boat. Well, there's so many, there's just so many layers that I get added when he does it. What, what I love, I was just looking at the comments. 
that he recorded this for a 2002 album, you know, uh, Ray Charles' Songs About America. So this was one of those post 9-11 records that everyone was doing. He's uh-huh. like, all right, I'm going to sing about America, but I'm singing it my way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, what a what a what a gift he is, man. So that is this week's cover. Bo, thank you so much for doing this. How can people get hold of you? You got a band camp, you got a Twitter. What's what's the best way? Yeah, um you could do bojennings.com, that's B-E-A-U. Or um yeah, I'm on Twitter, I'm on all the stuff. Um I I yeah, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and you know, if I if I share something, it's pretty much across all three of those platforms. Um, and yes, there's a website. Uh, uh, I've been working with a label out of Oklahoma City, some really a uh, really great guy that runs runs the label called Claire Story AV, and um, they sell they sell merchandise for me, shirts and uh, vinyl records and other albums I've released too. And then they have some other great artists that uh, that they release records for as well. So you can check things out there. Um, yeah, or just shoot me a message, and I'd be happy to happy to get you some music. And folks, wear a damn mask. I want to see this guy live before I'm fifty. <laughs> uh, and I yeah, I want Dan to see me live before he's fifty. Let's make it happen. Life goals, everybody. All right, thanks, Bo. Hey, thank you so much. I really, um, I really enjoyed talking Randy Newman. Well, that's it for another week here at Wheel of Randy. We are part of the Good Trash Media Network. Thanks to Matt Fraley for our theme song. You can find Matt's music at moternmedia.com. That's M-O-T-E-R-N. Thanks to Brian Mays for our artwork. Best way to reach Brian is on Facebook at Brian Mays Art. The background music we're listening to right now is Rock and Gravel by Sid Valentine's Patent Leather Kids. And I'm using it because it's public domain. Wheel of Randy is brought to you by Wade Engineering. That's me. That's what I do during the day. I am a water and sewer engineer. I'm registered in Oklahoma and Texas. I'll register in your state if you ask nicely enough. Most of what I do is small town water and sewer engineering, but I specialize in hydraulic modeling. I build computer models for water systems, and that can help you plan your water systems more efficiently, and it can also help you with your homeowner's insurance. If you're a city official, you need a water model. Wade Engineering can be reached at 405-426-7634, and we would be happy to talk to you. We'll see you next week. Bye. It's Wheel of Red.